0: Well, welcome to Waypoint, uh, my name is Blair, I do some of the teaching around here, I'm being joined uh, by, uh, with my wife Tracy, uh, she, yeah, that's good, yeah. So she has uh, done this service sometimes before in the past by herself, she has a break from school, so she has some time to join me here, but she did not have as much time to do some of the preparation, so we did that together. Uh, today's uh, special for two things. It's Mother's Day, and we think that's worth celebrating and talking about. And it's also the end of a series that we're doing called Origin Stories, and we're going to actually take and mash up the two. And Luis was just in the meeting going, I don't know how you're going to do that. Well, um, this happens sometimes at Waypoint. We'll take and we'll aim in truth at a segment of the people who are attending And it's really tempting on other people's part to go, well, I'm not a part of that group, so this must not apply to me. And I just want to warn you this morning, the underlying truth still has a lot of meaning for everybody else. And so although we're going to aim it, if you'll stay engaged, if you can find a way to apply it to your life, I'm convinced there's still going to be a lot of value and meaning for you in this as well.
1: So I'm going to say it for the fourth time today. Happy day from one mother to another or to many of you in the audience we celebrate you we know that you sacrifice day in and day out and you have influenced our lives in many ways many ways so thank you all right so we're all created to have this superhero kind of existence not because of anything we did not because of our moms not because of our parents or lack thereof um, but because of easter what blair's talked about the last few weeks That one who created us in the bellies of our mamas said he would not leave us. Sorry.
0: This is just part of it. It's okay.
1: I'll get through it. Um, He would not leave us in the darkness. He would take the sins, the mistakes, and the regrets that separated us from life and from light before we even had any. Mm, That's amazing to me. He would die for you and I, before we even committed any junk that we would step into the world with. He would carry them and bury them in the deepest darkness and return with our freedom fully resurrected in the light of day. Then again and again, he would offer to walk with us through the life in the valley of the shadow. He held out his nail-scarred hands with forgiveness, and it's like being bitten by that radioactive spider when we take it. We're no longer the same, we no longer act the same, we no longer blend into the culture, we're set apart and we have this chance for a superhero type of life. So I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to think about your life this last week. Where did you ask God to show up? Where did you tune into his supernatural powers? Would anyone know that you're connected to him? Where do you blend, more into the culture or more into him? So I'm just gonna take a few seconds here and be quiet with prayer. God, this is a really, really hard place for me to come. Um, I so don't want the things I talk about and yet I give in to them. I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do, God, and I'm just right there. So will you let me take your nail-scarred hands today? Will you let us and help us walk through this? In Jesus' name, And So when we take that nail-scarred hands, we're saying that we trust him We're listening, and we're looking for him to fill us. We're ready to do amazing things, and moms, you do that. You use your superhuman skills by keeping everyone in your house alive. You go through sleepless nights, changing diapers, you feed them, clothe them, you inspire them, you make sure they get rest, encourage them, hear them, chauffeur them, take the right people to the right place at the right time without the ability to teleport, and it is stressful. So many things pull at you yet you get up the next day and you do it all again. So it's easy to see why it's kind of a superhuman, superhero type of effort.
0: Yeah, the the role of mom is highly valued, and it's why we want to take and address something that we hear coming from moms quite a bit. And it's this simple idea. Sometimes moms feel like they have to be perfect. And, um, and they have that kind of stress laid on their heart where it's like, the stakes are high for what I do. And most of you would say, no, I know I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be right all the time, which is like, yeah, the same thing. That's what we're talking about here. Um, that kind of pressure is hard on the heart and soul of a person. And yet we run into a lot of people who feel like they actually have to, they have to do that because they are putting out superhuman effort because the outcomes are super important. And if they mess up, then the, the effort that they put in could cause the superhuman output that they were expecting to underperform and then they're to blame for it. And they don't want to carry that. And so there is this sense of I have to do this perfectly, even though I think most of you know you can't be perfect. It, I think we should just take it off the table. I think it's an unrealistic thing. For this reason alone, you should take it off the table. Jesus would not have died for you if you could have pulled off perfection. And sometimes what I hear people saying is, oh, no, 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 I get it. I can't be perfect But in this one area of my life, I think I better try. Like, I think I better have a level of perfection. Here's what you don't understand. When we chose to go our own way, not God's way, we chose our own path, it messed up everything in our lives. Our attitudes, our character, all, all of the stuff that we would use to influence somebody else Gets messed up in the process. You take that into being a mom too. Which means, problem is the stakes are so high for us. Like I'm I'm doing this stuff because I want the best for these people that I'm caring for. That we can't imagine allowing a mistake to happen. And so we get wound up tight. And whether we want to say it or not we end up pursuing perfection. Now, I'm I'm not trying to get you to be comfortable with the fact that you're not perfect. All I'm trying to do right now is to get you to accept the reality that you can't be. And if you could start from there, maybe we could find something that you could do instead.
1: So what happens when you fall short as a mom or misuse the influence you have in someone else's life? And as Blair was talking about, we can't be perfect. So what are we hoping for? If you have your Bibles or you have your phone up, you can turn to Romans 7, 4. Paul tells us, "So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. The law was perfect, but verse 6 says it bound us. Following rules perfectly did not save you or I from anything, it knotted us up, like Blair said, to death because that's all we can do without him. Blair also shared last week about the marred and broken body of Christ. That was the price of releasing us from trying to live perfectly. And why did he do it? So that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Now we have a choice. We don't have to belong to death. We can belong to the one who saved us from death. For what? What reason? It's interesting, Paul says in 7 4, in order that we might bear fruit for God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, that's the fruit he wants in our lives.
0: The doable goal is not perfection, the doable goal is being fruitful. It's about a larger process that you find yourself in that is not produced instantly. In fact, even the doable goal of being fruitful, you can't do on your own. The scriptures go on. She read verse 4 of chapter 7 in Romans. I'm going to read verse 5. It says, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us. What does the sinful passions aroused by the law at work in us mean? Okay, think of it this way. Has anybody ever come to you and said, don't do that? And the first thing you did was to do that. Or they said, hey, don't say that. You said it, right? Or they said, don't think that. And in your mind, you're like, you can't stop me. I'm, I'm thinking it right now. What is going on there? Well, that's, that's our human nature bumping up against stuff. And that's what the law did. The law set up boundaries for us. And then we would bump into that. And we would say, I know you put this here for my good, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to be told what to do. It's my way or the highway. And we would then cause problems. So that's what this verse is talking about. It stirred up in us a desire to ignore what God had to say. That's what the law did. And this is what it produced. The end of the verse says this. So that we bore fruit for death. We actually produce from our life chunky, smelly, rotten garbage. Now here's the, here's the trick. Like, if you're pursuing perfection, but what you keep producing stinks, stinks pretty soon that becomes really disruptive and hard for your life. Like you struggle with that. You struggle harder and harder and harder to be perfect, but what you're going to produce without Jesus is going to continue to stink. And so you end up with a problem. What Paul's writing about here is human existence. This is, we have these desires to be better, to do better, to accomplish great things. And without Jesus... We keep producing junky stuff. But you find yourself with Jesus and all of a sudden there's an opportunity for you to produce something that's healthy, for you to produce something that's good. All the stinky stuff around you, bad fruit around you, and you're producing something healthy. Well, that happens because of who you're with. We actually found um, a video clip that illustrates that for us this morning. Um, we're, we're taking it from the movie, The Black Widow. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Her family is very dysfunctional. That's a nice way to say it. And, but there is a moment where the, um, the girl has allowed something to influence her in a way that changes her life. So I want, we're going to play this little clip for you, and then we're going to expound on it just a little bit. So watch this.
1: I remember this day, we shot Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, and summer vacation all in one day, different backdrops.
0: Mm.
1: I knew all the presents under the tree were just empty boxes, but I didn't care, I wanted to open every single one. So just for a second
0: it would feel real. I to to stop this. Why are you doing this? Why does a mouse born in a cage run on that little wheel? Do you know I was cycled through the Red Room four times before you were even born. Those was all I know. I was never given a choice. No, you're not a mouse, Melina. You were just born in a cage, but that's not your fault. <laughs> Tell me how you keep your heart. Pain only makes us stronger. Didn't you tell us that? What you told me kept me alive.
1: In all that mess, in all the false stories that she was told. She's asked, How me? How did you keep your heart alive? And, or no, she said, How to keep your heart? And she said, What you taught me kept me alive. A perfect life was fake and hollow. Perfect didn't save her, didn't help her, but good influence did. And even in a movie, truth is truth. The pursuit of perfection is fake and hollow, it kills our souls and others. Exactly what happened for the fake mom in the movie. But life-giving influence lives on? Let's eavesdrop in on Jesus as he's talking to his disciples in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Down in 17. This is my command. Love each other. He chose you and appointed you and I to go and bear fruit that will last. That fruit is love.
0: Motivated by love. That fruit is motivated by love. And it's something that you can do. It's something that God um, put in your heart. It's hard, but it's good. And so what we want to do today is we want to talk to you about some characteristics so that you can look at your life. And you can look at some of the, produce, the fruit that's being produced and you can ask yourself, am I on the right track or not? So we're just going to give you four ideas that you can use to do a kind of a gut check, a fruit check in your life, okay? And we'll start with this one. The first idea we want to give you is bearing fruit is not control. Bearing fruit is not control. Um. The very idea that they would use a picture of, of a vineyard, of bearing fruit suggests that there would have to be cultivation, planning, watering, pruning, all kinds like keeping pests away, all of that sort of stuff, so that you could get to some proof, get to some fruit. But here's the problem. And in this area, you know this is the case. You could do all of that work. And then late in April, a winter storm could come through and kill every one of the buds on that tree, and you get nothing. Like, you did all of that work, and what what are you reminded of? That in the end, you don't have as much control as you think you have. Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples about this idea of bearing fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, and in verse 33, he says this to them. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit How do you make a tree good It's all of that it's all of that cultivating it's all of that work it's all of that stuff that you would do but you can't make it produce fruit You you can do all of those things that influence how that tree could develop But it will produce fruit when it's ready to produce fruit. And somewhere in the process, mom, you're going to have to accept that you you can put in a ton of effort that's right and good. But it's going to produce fruit when it does produce fruit. And if you can give up control, see what control does is it focuses on you and what you want and how you want it what you think would be the right thing, the right outcome. And your attention becomes so focused on that fruit that you want to produce at a certain amount of time that you miss all the other activity that you could do to influence that tree, to influence the growth of that person. Perfection turns you into a control monster and it doesn't get you anywhere. But if you can embrace, influence, if you could just play your part and understand that you are not the whole story, that God's a part of this too, you could actually bear fruit.
1: So, how does the fruit get born, and how is it born in love? In John 15, verses one and five, tells us, "I am the true vine; my Father is the gardener. You are the branches." If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's leaking, locking into him. He chose an interesting image of a vineyard. Any of you know about how many years it takes to grow fruit from a vineyard? So it takes about three years. Like Blair said, there's cultivation, fertilization, watering, nutrients, month after month, year after year, before maybe that fruit will grow. But with a human, it takes even longer. So moms, you clean, do mountains of clothes, feed oodles of snacks and meals, cheer the kids on, watch them struggle, transport them everywhere, spend lots of money and emotions, watch them grow, let them learn new things, make mistakes, ups and downs, ups and downs. And you wonder when you're going to see consistent good choices in their life. Fruit that lasts. It's why this picture of the vineyard is so good. Lots of work. For years, of maybe fruit will grow. Lesson two, being tuned into the Father, bearing fruit is a labor of love. We cultivate their hearts over time. That could grow fruit. There's no guarantees. But we, out of love, we put that time in faithfully.
0: It's a labor of love. And I would add, over a long period of time. The goal is not perfection, it's consistency. I would say, number three, bearing fruit takes consistency. Consistently sharing truth, consistently sharing the stuff that you believe and why, consistently being involved in their lives. Uh, Think of it this way if you're attempting to be consistent, 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 and you fail, Somebody can look back at the track record of consistency that you have and understand that that was a failure, and they can quickly forgive you for that. And you can get back on with being consistent. But if your goal has been to be perfect, when you fail, you can't be perfect anymore. That's gone. That's forever gone. And what it does is it creates a cycle where what you choose to do then is to double down on the, per- the perfection that you're going to pursue. And so you try even harder and you give it even more effort. And the next time you fail, you feel more guilty and you keep going at it. That process will rob you of hope and make it very difficult for you to do your role as a mom, as a human, anywhere, really, But if you would choose consistency instead, it would give you this chance to keep coming back at it, keep coming back at it, even after a failure. And it could grow hope in you for the process that you're involved with. Shoot for consistency.
1: So I've been reading in Hebrews over months and months and finally made it into James. And I just wanted to share a few verses that have twisted me up inside about this perfection thing. James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, fruit, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, And it will be given to you. That thing that we wish would go away, the trials and testing in our life, is what actually can become the fruit of pure joy. Not sour joy, not bitter joy, not impatient joy, but pure joy. Number four, bearing fruit comes through trials and testing. That's hard. That's a really, really hard place when you look inside the deep of your soul. It's easier to tell God to keep his trials and try and avoid them because it keeps us busy and it focuses on protecting ourselves or those around us. We try to be the fixers. We become the source of our own false hope. But God says he is the living hope. He is the source of pure joy in our trials and our faith testing. We cannot become mature and complete without them. We can't lose our selfishness without them. And then he says, I want to walk with you over and over and over again. And he wants us to ask for wisdom when we don't understand and when it's complicated and it's weird and it's odd and we don't know what to do. In the midst of the trial, the kid who lies to us over and over again scratches the floor or our car, stays out past curfew, does the opposite of what we asked or the testing of our friend who betrays us, the coach who overlooks you, the spouse who hurt you, the leader who disappointed you, or the coworker who threw you under the bus. He says, consider it pure joy. That is not the word or the two words that I would ever want to use. Pure joy, that hurts. But, We can go to the Father and ask for His eyes, His wisdom, to hold our hearts steady and trust that His image is being formed in us, that fruit is being cultivated. And what's also true is sometimes you are a trial to other people. Think about how you show up in their lives. It's easy to think about how others affect you but you're also an influencer and affect others. And you know what? God sees you as pure joy in that trial. He's the author of the fruit, and he has it, and he also has perseverance. And so he goes on and on day after day with us. He's the only one who can bring good fruit or good out of our lives, brings good fruit. I'd like to invite the band to come to, state, or come to the stage, if you would. This is just, it's just really hard. It's easy to say this stuff. But over the past six months, my journal is full of disappointments and hard things. In times, I wanted to control or fix someone in my family Oh, I wanted it to turn out perfect, maybe good. If I could just pray hard enough, if I could just read enough of my Bible, if I could just show up when they call, if I could just, I don't know, control it somehow. But it was making a mess. And God showed me a lesson in a donut. Okay, so my grandkids are over. My five-year-old grandson Liam and Ember have a donut. Liam has a donut with sprinkles on it he wanted to eat and Ember gets a hold of it. He turns around and sees it and asks for it, and then I ask for it, and she starts screaming and he starts screaming, and her hands are closing around it harder and harder, and <laughs> all that fat grease and sugar just starts flicking out through her, between her fingers and a lump falls off, and I just thought, that's me. Instead of sharing this concern with God, I'm squeezing it harder and harder, and you know what happens? The person that's around us has to change shape then because they're not sure how we're gonna respond to them. And God says, open your hands. Stop squeezing. Love without expecting in return. And apart from him, I cannot do it. I don't think I'm perfect, but sometimes I want it. In Easter morning, a new song came across my feed. It talks about praising God no matter our feelings, no matter our fears, because it doesn't change who he is. His donut holds on, it doesn't break. And so I'm gonna choose to praise him in the blessing and in the breaking of me until I mean every word, because I don't always mean it. And I'm still afraid of the outcomes But some words in the song say, but I'm going to live like my king is risen. I'm going to preach to my soul that he's already won. And even though I can't see it, I'm going to keep believing that every promise he makes is as good as done. Will you sing with me that he is worthy of our praise?